lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I'm back here in the friendly confines of our fairly mediocre suburban Des Moines studio. I am Steve Dace. He is Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre. Gentlemen, good to see you again. You are you. You can let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, and Gab. You can follow me on Twitter and Getter at Steve Dace Show as well. We are at Real Steve Dace over on Truth Social. And of course, you can get clips of the program for free that are also free of censorship when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. Uh, I spent an incredible weekend uh, going throughout the state of North Carolina. And if you'll indulge me for a couple of minutes, I just, I have to tell you, um, I mean, it, it's it's one of the most fun and re-energizing weekends I've had and uh, maybe in my entire career because, I mean, the turnout that they had for these three events was way over what they anticipated. And when you combine the three, um, two of the events I did were for the local chapter of the Faith and Freedom Coalition I mean, the, uh, the majority of people in the room at both of those events drove more than an hour to get to these events. A lot of people drove two or three hours. One of the guys said, he's just, you know, you don't see that a lot. And said, frankly, we bring in a lot bigger names than you. <laughs> right? um, I mean, it was, and, and a lot of the people when asked, hey, are you on our list, and this is the, the one of the biggest conservative groups in the state of North Carolina. It's certainly the biggest evangelical one, and the vast majority of hands in the room were like, no, we are not. So this was a lot of new people coming to their events than what they typically see. Um, the, the feedback we got, uh, first and foremost, guys, I didn't want to text this to you because I just, I, I, I thought it would be more impactful just to hear it directly from me, especially live on the air. But uh, a huge round of compliments for both of you guys. Uh, and uh, a lot of people that love what the both of you bring to the table. Um, and Aaron's creativity, whilst, while also being perpetually monotone, which is an interesting combination. His creativity, while being perpetually monotone at the exact same time, people found that to be endearing. Spent 29 years mastering that. <laughs> and uh, uh, my, we came out of a Christian movie yesterday. I don't want to say the name because it was so bad. And I don't want to hurt those people, but it was bad. And Noah says to me, I didn't even realize that was a Christian movie. I thought that was just a really bad movie that had Christians in it. But he said it so flat and deeply baritone, monotone, that I thought it was you for a minute. Actually, it kind of creeped me out. Nice. It reminded me of you, uh, yep. actually. It was totally just monotone, flat line. And then when I realized it came from him, it actually made me laugh quite hard. But Stephen uh, Wright lives then, right? Uh, uh, yes, we're another generation, yes. Uh, a, a, people finding your particular form of cranky, uh, to be endearing as well. Uh, and I mean, I just, and I ran into so many people who, um, uh, whether it's COVID, 
or um, spirituality that during um, if I could if I could come up with one common theme that I heard from uh, I mean the several hundred people I met this weekend it it would be that that our show has kind of been a port in a storm you know a lighthouse if you will during some crazy and otherwise dark days and uh, I just uh, to hear people's stories um, to hear where people to hear I heard from several people who were uh, just kind of spiritually drifting or lost. And um, it was just, uh, it was incredibly re-energizing, encouraging. It was quite humbling, frankly, you know, because a lot of times, I mean, we take this show seriously, but we really do not take ourselves very seriously, you know? And I mean, I'm I'm the guy that the night before we got on the plane to go over to North Carolina, I was up till midnight playing my MLB the show season, you know? And so 48 hours later to hear from so many people about how positively influential our show is uh, and and has been for them, um, it really did not boost my ego, actually. It, it was the opposite. It was very humbling because we're just regular guys, guys. We're just regular dudes, you know, and um, it was so cool. I, I, one of the guys I met took the best picture of Mount Rushmore I have ever seen, and I posted that on all, my, all of my socials this morning. It was just a an absolutely phenomenal weekend. I think I had the greatest macaroni and cheese, and I look like somebody that has sampled a few uh, of, of iterations of macaroni and cheese. I think I had the greatest macaroni and cheese of all time at a place called Prime Barbecue in Raleigh or Nightdale, which is outside of Raleigh, North Carolina. That's where we had our first event. Um, I think I might've had the greatest piece of turkey I've ever eaten at that exact same place. I mean, that food was incredible. And they have a chef, a chef there. I think his name is Chris. That's been on like a lot of the Food Network shows and things of that nature. And I can, I can see why, man. I mean, that was some next level stuff, but it was just... Um, it was very, very encouraging, and I think um, I would be remiss if uh, we didn't tip our cap to our partners here because we're not their employees, um, but they are certainly our partners and our distributors here at the Blaze at Blaze Media because there's not a lot of platforms of magnitude that would let us do what what, what the Blaze has let us do really from the beginning, but especially the last couple of years, especially at the beginning of COVID. And uh, from Tyler to Gaston um, to Ricky to everybody that's involved in management of the platform, first, most of all, Glenn, who's the patriarch here, um, almost none of those people have a clue who in the Sam Hill we are without the distribution platform we have. So I just wanted to take a few minutes here at the top and uh, give everybody a, a report from what I saw out on the road. Any cool. thoughts? It seems like maybe you need to hit the road more often. Maybe, you know, and now that I have got, and now, now that everybody's a teenager, um, they don't really want to hang out with the old man as much as they used to. I mean, Noah's, a, you know, a 15-year-old boy. He likes hanging out with me the most. So that tells you where kind of things stand at the moment, right? So um, I've got a little bit more time to do things like that. In fact, uh, in a few weeks, 
Uh, the uh, next speaking engagement I'll be doing is in Michigan. I'll be going back to one of my home states, and I'll give you the details on that later. For now, uh, it's uh, the Hillsdale GOP, and I will be speaking there in June uh, for the Hillsdale GOP. So you could probably, if you're in Michigan right now and you want to attend that event, you just look that up, and there you go. All right. Uh, oh, one thing that got brought up a lot, by the way, was the Lindsey Graham cooler lid. <laughs> People absolutely loved it, right? And then a lot of people had the reaction that Tim Young had on Friday, where at first he just thought it was just kind of a cheeky Lindsey Graham getting to the bottom of it, but then didn't recognize the extra graphic that our friends at Tiger Coolers put in there and what that symbolizes, right? Kind of that delayed response that Tim had on Friday. I got a lot of that uh, as well. So a great time to mention one of our sponsors, one of our partners here on the program. Uh, they're big fans of the show too. That's why they went out of their way to put this lid together as a labor of love. I don't know that they'll customize this exactly for you. Maybe if you ask, I'm not sure you want that in polite company, but we're the Steve Day Show, so we don't care. Uh, but they will certainly customize a cooler for you or just give you you know, one of their stock colors if you prefer that because these are outstanding coolers. They make for a great gift for family, friends, or even clients. And of course, we are now into full-fledged cooler season. All American-made from all American employees and American parts. And if you want to get one right now, 10% off with the promo code Steve. 10% off with the promo code Steve when you go to taigacoolers.com, T-A-I-G-A, T-A-I-G-A for taigacoolers.com. Use the promo code Steve to get 10% off. All right, coming up on the show today as we await at any moment between literally right now and June 30th, the Supreme Court's decision on the Dobbs case in Mississippi. And will they follow through with the the leaked draft and, and absolutely overturn Roe? We will look ahead to that. And what would that mean on a state-by-state basis? Uh, We'll have that conversation with a guy that will be knee-deep in this, if indeed that occurs, because he's involved uh, in a lot of these battleground states, including the one in which we live. Uh, That's our good friend Bob Vanderplot. So we will talk to him about this coming up here uh, at the bottom of the hour. Next hour, we will have a Monday Ask Me Anything. And Facebook came through with some questions. I want to address really quick, Todd, you mentioned that the most, because I don't see the questions until, you know, you guys share them with me next hour, that we got a lot of questions about 2,000 Mules, right? The Dinesh D'Souza documentary. So last night, because I I know a lot of you aren't on Twitter because 80% of Americans are not. Last night, I watched this documentary. I purchased it. I watched it live. And I live tweeted what I saw and thought as a stream of conscious uh, conscious in real time as we were going along tomorrow in our entire second hour we are going to discuss that documentary all right i'm going to i'm going to walk you through my thread that's one of the reasons why i did it so that i could kind of archive my running commentary internally with myself as we were going through it so i'm going to run through that thread tomorrow and then we will discuss it as a team we're going to combine fake news or not and pop culture tuesday into one long hour tomorrow and it will be about dinesh d'souza's 2000 mule movie that's going to be in the second hour tomorrow so uh that's why if you're wondering hey you know this is the number one i think i saw over the weekend it was the number one dvd at amazon was 2000 mules why aren't you guys commenting on this today because i know there was a bunch of questions about it for the ama it's because we're going to cover it in depth on tomorrow's program so we'll get to non 2000 mules questions in the second hour here coming up here in about 50 minutes but until then here's aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away 
What happened while we were away brought to you by it's war after all, I guess. A subtle new talking point went out from the White House late last week. Here's House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer talking about the conflict in Ukraine. As I told you, in uh, Coke Point is now sending 80 percent reversing Asia uh, supply to European supply because they need it because we're at war. And here's now former White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki on Friday. Clarification, it's not the White House's belief that we're at war or we're engaged in any kind of conflict. Uh, I think he's, I, I did not see the full context of his comments. But obviously, the U.S. has a stake in, given the amount of military, humanitarian, economic assistance we've provided. And as I've said before, of course, the Ukrainians deserve the greatest accolades for their bravery and their courage. But the American people also deserve a lot of gratitude for their sacrifices and their support of this war. So I guess we're just in a war now with Russia. Sweet. Moving on, Congressman John McCain with an eye patch went on Fox News to say your baby can go straight to hell. But there's some bad arguments, too. People are saying, well, we can't put baby formula on our shelves, but we're sending money to Ukrainians. And my response to that is, you know how much baby formula you can buy with $40 billion? None. None, because it's not a money issue. It's a manufacturing issue. In Pennsylvania, GOP Senate candidate Kathy Barnett picked up some key endorsements recently, including gubernatorial candidate Doug Mastriano, who himself was just endorsed by Donald Trump. Kamalabaliti Gook update. That is especially true when it comes to the climate crisis, which is why we will work together and continue to work together to address these issues to tackle these challenges and to work together as we continue to work operating from the new norms, rules and agreements that we will convene to work together on to galvanize global action. Dr. Anthony Fauci was interviewed by a Detroit, Michigan TV station recently when he was asked about his many flip-flops. Yeah, what I can say, it's a good thing I have flip-flopped. <laughs> and the reason is because science and the evolution of this outbreak changes. Aaron's Razor update at a pro-baby-killing rally in Phoenix yesterday. One attendee held up a sign that read, Fetus equals good snack. Groomer update, do you remember this person from a few months ago? so much for that question. Um, I use the term minor attracted person or MAP uh, in the title and throughout the book for multiple reasons. Um, first of all, because I think it's important to use terminology for groups that members of that group want others to use for them. Um, and MAP advocacy groups like Before You Act um, have advocated for use of the term MAP. Um, they've advocated for it primarily because it's less stigmatizing than other terms like pedophile. Uh, a lot of people, when they hear the term pedophile, they automatically assume that it means a sex offender. Uh, and that isn't true. And it leads to a lot of misconceptions about attractions toward minors. That person's name is Alan Walker, and she was forced to resign from Old Dominion University after that video went viral. Now, she's been hired by Johns Hopkins University to work in that institution's Center for Preventing Child Sex Abuse. After seeing firsthand what happens when you allow your company to be bullied by the woke mob, Netflix is now setting down a marker, releasing a new culture memo for the company. Part of this memo includes language forcing its employees to work with and around content they deem offensive, says if they don't like it, they can leave, and reportedly fired the employee who 
Leto walk out last year over the company's release of a Dave Chappelle comedy special. At Disney, according to political strategist Giancarlo Sopo, last year their favorability rating with the general public was at plus 56, 77 favorable, 21 unfavorable. This year, they're at plus 3, 33 to 30. Yikes. And finally, this from the Babylon Bee. Jen Psaki steps down as White House press secretary to take position as the mouth of Sauron. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's Montage brought to you by Omega XL. And yes, you bet I took my Omega XL with me when I'm on the road. I never leave home without it. It's a fantastic product because especially as we get older, and I am not getting younger, that's for sure, uh, our joints, the things that help us in, uh, from the neck down to our feet, and a lot of times in the neck, the back, the knees, uh, the hips, those joints can become little hubs for inflammation. And that can be a problem as we get older. And that's why you're looking for an all-natural anti-inflammatory that's backed by going on three decades of clinical research and we're on about three years now of me using it on a daily basis. And that's called Omega XL. And right now you can get started with buying one bottle and get a second one for free if you want to try it for yourself. When you go to OmegaXL.com slash Steve, that's OmegaXL.com slash Steve, or you can give them a call at 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888. Going to warn you, I did an immense amount of talking this weekend. I really tried to rest my voice yesterday, but this is the most uh, projection kind of talking I've done. Since I got back from North Carolina, so we'll see how it holds up. So I probably should have warned you guys about that coming in, but surprise, uh, I guess we'll see how it goes. Not that I don't trust that you guys could talk in my place. All right. In the overtime today, we will get into uh, the latest with Ukraine, including those of you that live in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. You might have forgotten that your elder statesman senator, Mitch McConnell, actually is from your state. Because it takes a lot to get old Ditch away from that D.C. brownstone that him and Elaine love so much, right? But apparently, the dulcet tones of one named Zelensky was enough to do it. I mean, I've not seen Ditch go for the big photo op since I was at a CPAC and he walked by me waving an AR-15 once, okay? And yet, here we are. Ditch makes the hajj. And yes, I... I used that reference on purpose, brother. All right. Ditch makes the Hajj over to Mecca. I'm sorry, Kiev. And we get quite the photo op with him and Zelensky as the machine goes all in on its pro-Ukraine messaging, including Dan. Hey, you know, your babies can die. Crenshaw. So uh, we will get into that in today's overtime at blazetv.com slash dace. That's blazetv.com slash dace. That's where you'll be able to watch it later today because we haven't recorded it yet. But we will do that right after today's show and then we will upload it for you later today at blazetv.com slash dace if you're a Blaze TV subscriber. If you're not yet one, that's also where you can go to get a discounted subscription today. I think it's just about 10 bucks a month at blazetv.com slash dace. Let's get to uh, what else is in the montage other than uh, Ukraine. And... Two things I want to talk, or three things I want to address out of this montage. Number one, this gets into the Disney approval rating. This gets into the Netflix culture memo. Uh, Trafalgar Group released a poll this morning. Now, let me pause for a minute. We live in extremely balkanized times as America. 
right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, we, we are kind of living in a modern re uh, of reimagining of what America was like in the 1850s and in controvertible viewpoints attempting to live and coexist under a singular flag and identity, right? Yep. And we know how that story ended, correct? We okay. Do. So it's hard, damn hard, to get 80, 90% of Americans to agree on just about anything, right? I mean, I used to say, hey, you know, 50% of the country will call it mostly sunny and the other 50% will call it partly cloudy, right? Okay. Right. Well, Trafalgar came out with a poll this morning that found... Over 87% of Americans want corporate America out of the culture war. Over 87%. And get this, guys, get this. 83% of independents said, independents said, they would, they would absolutely consider no longer using a product or a service that annoyed or sermonized them politically, that annoyed them politically or kept sermonizing to them. 83% of independents in this Trafalgar Group poll. That's a yo. That just goes to show you this backlash is real. And it is absolutely spectacular that people have got, have, we have now, if you ever wondered, what would it peaceably look like if, if people decided they were on their last nerve? We're, we're, in other words, Todd's default setting. Okay. Um, that's essentially what's going on right now. When 83%, because the independents are always, no, no, that's not, we don't need to escalate this, right? 83% of independents are like, I'm on my last freaking nerve. I'm just, I'm tired of it. Stop it. And it appears woke flicks has gotten the message. We shall see if Disney gets the message because messages are certainly being sent to them as we speak. Gentlemen, your thoughts on that? Well, th this is why I was so strident in that it needed to be multifaceted. Uh, Steve, you were always correct about attacking uh, them in terms of their uh, their stocks and things along that line. But it, this is really important because th this is the thing, the, the popular sense that when you look around and listen, we know this, we're Christians, we talk about people are sheep, all right? People are sheep. They do need to be led. And we need uh, to build this sense that there is a here and no further along these lines. But now what you say in a poll versus what you actually do. So, Steve, I have a question. I think you'll know the answer to because you normally knew this stuff. And it doesn't matter whether the movie was good or bad. It's actually better for my argument if the movie was really good. So I'm mm -hmm. not. But you normally know the numbers, the returns on how movies do. How How is Doctor Strange done relative to the normal tentpole Marvel movie. It had a phenomenal opening last week, as I predicted it would. However, um, it it got, it's one of the few Marvel films, and when I say few, it's only been a handful, like the in the second Ant-Man and the Wasp movie is one of them, uh, that got lower than an A- minus from, I think it's Cinema Score, which uh, polls people as they come out of movies to find out, uh, you know, what they thought of the film. And most Marvel movies get an A- minus or higher. And a, and, a, and a lot of movies, I mean, a B- minus or a B-plus at CinemaScore is is not good. A C, if you get into the Cs, your movie then... Because most people want to think that I paid money yeah. and the movie was worth something of my time and money, right? So it's hard to get a failing grade. This actually uh, was one of the few Marvel films that did worse than an A-minus. And it suffered a far steeper drop-off in week two 
than what they thought. They thought that this was going to be for sure a $400 million domestic Marvel movie. It may still get there like a, you know, the, the last Spider-Man film, for example, but, but now it's, it's progress has certainly been stunted uh, after a second week of release. Yes. So not necessarily, we need to wait and see a little bit and Correct. To see if this yeah. jives with. Cause it's actually, it's, I, I've seen it. It's actually a good movie, but it's not something that I thought like I had to see a second or third time. Uh, and they do mix in at some point, uh, in the middle of it, that one of the characters has two moms and she wears some kind of, you know, rainbow jihad, uh, you know, propaganda on her jean jacket throughout the entire film. So there's a story that kind of flew under the radar last week that gave me actually a little bit of of hope. The globalists have been trying, as you well know, and has been well documented on shows like this and this show uh, many times, especially over the last two years. The globalists are trying to kill America, are trying to cloward piven America. But there's a story that gave me hope that as much as they've tried to do that, they, America just will not die. And that story is that country music legend Dolly Parton is going to be starring in a musical about Taco Bell's Mexican pizza. You can, you can try to kill America, but it just won't die. Now, I would... That, I that's would, like a white trash harmonic convergence I, I right know, there, bro. I know. I would, I would prefer that the sign of America's just... A cold dead fingers grasp come from like I don't know dropping Moabs or uh, any number of more like I, I don't know triumphant triumphant stories. But I'm I'm good with this one as well. I feel a similar way with this story about Disney's approval rating. I really wish that the line that uh, most Americans set for "I ain't going there" was set a lot further back than sure. groomers. Right. But it's at least it's a line, so we can work with that. We were beginning to think there weren't any lines at all, so it's good to mm-hmm. see those lines every now and then. Well, right? Speaking of lines, one thing about this Netflix thing that I think is interesting, it. I think the gut reaction to our audience may be like, good, this sounds like a positive thing. Yes and no. Remember, Netflix is also the place making movies like about grooming little girls for things. Right. So there's there's a window that we accept that we differ on things as Christians. And uh, then there's things we don't allow. Mm-hmm either so mm-hmm. be careful on on this one valid because point. you don't there's things we're just going to say oh hell i mean and if you work there you'd say this is garbage and people should be in jail for it that the clip of fauci is one of the most honest things he has said over the last 26 months now i admit of course that there's low bars i mean you know this has uh, uh i mean turtles jump over this bar so it's a pretty low bar we the fauci honesty bar fares fairly low okay but this is a genuinely honest thing that he said which is always the fun thing about people who tell you that their worldview is based on science that their worldview is based on being open-minded and evolving well then how do you know you're right right now how do you how would you know that how would you know you're right right now if everything's up, if everything's negotiable, um, well, everything other than the things that are non-negotiable, of course, if everything other than the things that are non-negotiable are up for negotiation, then how, why should I listen to your claims? They might be proven to be complete and total BS any minute now, right? Yes. 10 years from now, five minutes from now, a century from now, you may be the fool, right? 
This is the problem with not having a fixed standard. It's such an obvious problem. Even a vicious, virulent atheist like Ayn Rand, we thought people like the three of us here on this show were, were, were lower evolved beings for believing in a higher being. Even she finally had to come to the grips with the fact there has to be some form of objective rationale and revelation in the natural world. Otherwise, none of this makes any sense. We, what could we possibly believe on any level whatsoever? So I, I just wanted to, I may never say this ever again, I wanted to thank Anthony Fauci for that rare moment of candor and honesty. That science does change. These truths do change. Which then brings us to the question of then then why did why why were we to treat you as if everything you said was thus speaketh Zarathustra for the last twenty six months if it could just be proven wrong a week or two later? He's the guy just a couple of months ago that said I am I the am the science from I am the science too. Well, you know stuff changes. They do it does it does change, which is why um, you know uh, we didn't trust you for not admitting that for the previous twenty six months. That brings me back to that sheep thing I just got done mentioned. He gets away with that because of you. Finally, little birdie I have on the ground in Pennsylvania tells me that Trump personally tried to stop Mastriano from endorsing Barnett and may have even hinted that you won't get my endorsement if you don't uh, if you don't take that back. And Mastriano was basically like, well, I'm just I'll get your endorsement anyway, because I'm going to win. So I'll endorse her if I want. That was what I heard from a little birdie on the ground in Pennsylvania over the weekend. So I just thought I would pass that one along. We'll come back. Bob Vanderplatz will join us. What does a post-no-row world look like? Stay tuned. More and more, it is getting harder and harder to find businesses that aren't trying to end your way of life. Right. And and don't make you feel guilty for doing business with them because you have a sneaking suspicion you're going to take some of that money that you just gave to them and then they're going to try to use it against you. Right now, that's why it's good news when you see things like uh, the Trafalgar Group poll we were talking about a few minutes ago. Almost 90 percent of Americans want corporations out of the culture war, including 83 percent of independents now saying that they would absolutely consider cease doing business with a product or a service if it annoyed them politically, right? So if you've got an opportunity to do business with those who actually share your values, take full advantage of it. And one place pretty much all of us do, because we pretty much all have to use a mobile phone these days, is with our friends over at Patriot Mobile. If you want to make the switch, our family made it last fall after kind of stammering and hesitating and procrastinating for several years because we thought it would be an absolute huge hassle. But we finally made that switch and they made it seamless for us with their outstanding US-based customer service team. You can make the switch right now. They give you incentives to do that, like a free activation code with the promo code Steve when you go to patriotmobile.com slash Steve. And by the way, if you're a veteran or first responder, let them know when you go, they'll give you even bigger discounts as a way of saying thank you for your service. When you go to patriotmobile.com slash Steve, or you can call them at 877-367-7524, or if this is easier, 972-PATRIOT. Just do that. 
972-PATRIOT. Let's welcome in our good friend Bob Vanderplatz here from The Family Leader. Good to see you, brother. How are you? Doing really well. Good to be back. So everybody kind of is uh, on pins and needles right now waiting for the Supreme Court to release its opinion on the Dobbs case in Mississippi, which specifically goes at the premise of Roe v. Wade in KCV, Pennsylvania. There's talk it could be at any point between right now and June the 30th when the session ends uh, that they will release this opinion. And we got a leaked draft of it that you and I have already discussed. So I, I thought, it, let, let's take a look, let's go forward. And let's say that leaked draft, at least on the merits, even if there's some editing that happens specifically, but at least on the merits, that leaked draft is on the merits what we get on Roe v. Wade from the court and it's overturned. This now, let, let's discuss what happens to the life issue from this time forward. And, and I want to start, can we start like at a, at a high level, a, a meta sure. level? This has been the biggest fundraising boondoggle for the fake right. And you're laughing because you know it's true. Oh, I do okay? know it's true. I stand for nothing, but if, but if I send these poor grandmas who love their country and they're trying to save it for their grandbabies, if I send them a, a picture of a cute baby and say, stop abortion, even though I did nothing with for on any issue that mattered previously, absolutely, Nona... Uh, Nana is sending the last 50, 100 bucks she has to save those there, babies. There are some pro-life entities, Steve, that hope this leaked draft is not true. Yeah, because they're, uh, that, th- what this has done to essentially shield the entire ineffectiveness of a national conservative movement on a myriad of issues, that fig leaves, if this ruling goes down, this is not being talked about enough, I think. That fig leaf is getting ripped off. Some folks on the right, and I'm talking some names people would know, okay? They are going to have to figure out what's their new, what's the new hook, what's the new angle, or I don't know, suggest actually try in conservative activism for a change. So maybe actually try in the activism part, not just the you know rolling mm. uh, events and speaker uh, bureau that you're actually running via a direct fundraising mail scheme. I mean, in your ranks, is there talk about that? Well, there definitely is. And part of it is, now obviously I'm very biased because I live in the state of Iowa. I lead the state of Iowa with, with this ministry, the family leader. But then we have inroads into many other state organizations. And we believe the founders were right, the powers in the states. And so there's a lot of national organizations who talk about what kind of influence they have in Iowa, what kind of influence they have in these different states. And the fact is, maybe when they fly over, they wave at us. I don't know mm-hmm. if they ever get out this way, but they never leave D.C. We never hear them. But Unless there's a caucus going on. Yeah, but they're fundraising, yeah. especially when the caucus is going on. Yeah. Then they're fundraising off us all the time, but we never see them. But they're saying, this is going to change everything. So there's no doubt. One of the things I'm really looking forward to is that this issue being turned back to the states. I think that an underrated angle to this is that it will alter the the ecosystem on the on the right, uh, particularly on a national level, because this has been sort of the cornerstone fundraising mechanism for a lot of groups that draw big names uh, or create big names, but don't uh, generate a lot of results. So let's go to then if this does go back to the states. And this becomes a uh, really the the life issue becomes kind of a hand to hand combat issue now politically. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, We have several states with trigger laws. One of the things that was said a lot in North Carolina when I was there over the weekend 
is that if Roe v. Wade is overturned, nothing really changes in North Carolina because of who the governor is. On the other, if anything, maybe more babies get killed in that state because they're surrounded on both sides of their border. They're 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 they're, they're the most of their border. They're surrounded on both sides by states that have trigger laws in effect, meaning that if the right away uh, baby killing would be banned, that would go into effect. If indeed the court ever turned Roe, do you have any idea? How many states in the union have something like that set up? I believe there's 13 states where there's trigger laws. And all of a sudden, you're going to see abortion basically outlawed in their state. I think I want to go back, though, Steve, to a little bit about the macro level. First of all, this is an answer to prayer if this leak becomes the official opinion or you know, pretty much on its merits the official opinion. People have been praying for this for nearly 50 years mm-hmm. to have this decision overturned. Mm-hmm. If Alito's leaked opinion is right, and he says this is one of the worst precedents that we've ever had in this country, guys think we've killed 60 million babies because of this. But I think what it does, Steve, what it goes back to the states that got the trigger laws, praise God that they have the trigger laws. A state like Iowa right now, we're, we're, we would be seen as an abortion destination right now because of the court usurping a lot of the good pro-life laws that we have passed in this state. That's why we believe in Iowa, we need the Protect Life Amendment to make sure there's not a constitutional right to abortion in, in, in the state constitution, which there isn't, but the court made it up that there was. And the public has no obligation to fund those abortions, which the court made that up as well. So therefore, we need a Protect Life Amendment, but it's going to behoove every state to make sure that you are a pro-life state, not an abortion, an abortion destination state. I did some math last week, and I've not looked at each individual state's process for how they can amend their constitution. So if you have a state that can amend it via popular referendum by a majority vote, that changes the sure. calculus a little bit. But the math I came up with, I found about eight or nine states that I thought could do what California says it's going to do. If Roe versus Wade is overturned, which is to codify the child sacrifice into the state constitution, where just in the, the traditional ratification methodology of a two thirds vote or yep. in, a, in a legislative body, et cetera, there's about eight or nine states where the baby killers have those kinds of numbers in a legislature right now, presuming that every single Democrat when they now have to affirmatively vote for abortion and can't use any code language or anything, would actually live up to that or down to it, as the case may be. So you're saying there's now 13 states that would have these trigger laws. That would leave, if, if my math is right, we're, we're almost to half the states right now where this matter is somewhat determined right now which still would leave a little bit more than half of the country where this is going to be on a battle on a state-by-state basis. And it's a big issue, especially when you have uh, Amazon coming out saying that they'll they'll reimburse employees to have their abortions uh, out of state, up to $4,000 for travel expenses. And you're seeing other companies do the same thing. Uh, there's a lot of emphasis that we keep killing the babies here. Without question. So when this gets overturned, goes back to the state issue, the states need to make sure they're a pro-life state. But you take a look at Congress right now, what um, Schumer wants to do. I mean, Schumer and Pelosi, they want to codify into law not just Roe v. Wade, but the most extreme, all the way up to birth, that a woman has a choice, all the way up to birth for abortion. It's an extreme position. Mm -hmm. America is not there. And that's why I believe the pro-life movement 
has finally reached a tipping point where I believe the majority of this country is in the pro-life category versus the pro-abortion category. Because as we say, God creates it. Uh, nature reveals it, and good science always backs it up. And good science is determining the fundamental issue in Roe v. Wade that that little baby in her mother's womb, she's a baby. That's a that's a distinct person. Another side angle or subplot to this that I've not heard discussed a lot that I think it could be a factor here is even in the intervening time when this is being. Uh, discussed and debated politically in these states that are still up for contention, uh, you could still see from just a strict economic or supply and demand standpoint, you could see um, abortion go away in those states. Let me explain how. If and I don't know what if Texas is, is Texas one of the states that has the trigger laws that you're talking about. Well, yeah, Texas would be one, but Texas has already pretty much outlawed abortion okay. in their state. So I was just going to pick them because that's bet. where our headquarters are. But let, let, mm-hmm. let's let's pick a, just any other state, okay? Like in fact, let's take our own. That's a yep. great state to pick because you're right. With we have this very left wing state Supreme Court when it comes to baby killing, but we have a state that has become exceedingly and deeper red within the last five or six years at the same time uh, on the ground, and so. If you're Planned Parenthood, and you're, which is America's largest baby killer uh, factory in the country, and you're looking at where am I going to invest resources? Where am I? Uh, where am I going to build that next facility, that next uh, abortuary? Right? All right. Where am I going to build the new gas chambers at? Where am I going to do that? And even if you have the court on your side, looking at the numbers that the pro-lifers have in the legislature, who they have as a governor. Do you self-cancel to a degree? And do you say, I don't think I'm, I mean, why would I put, use, t- spend 10, 50, $100 million to put some state-of-the-art facility in a state where at any time the sort of Damocles could fall on me and I'm, it, my activity is now illegal. You see what I'm trying to say? Totally where there's safe. a, where even if, if, this, if you have a bunch of states that can't right away do this, the mere threat of it may cause a supply and demand chain reaction where they say, I'm better off, you know, building six more of these, you know, baby killing factories in California or Oregon than I am going to one of your states where this is a plausible thing that could occur. I think it's exactly what's going to happen because I think you're going to see California, New York, Massachusetts, all your deep blue states. That is where they're going to set up their shop. Mm-hmm. In Iowa, they run a risk because they have a very pro-life governor. They have a pro-life legislature today. They've been passing good pro-life legislation. But the leftist court has been usurping it. However, that court has changed. And now there's a Planned Parenthood versus Reynolds case that they could overturn. And if they overturn, I think that makes Iowa now more of a pro-life state. We still need a Protect Life Amendment to ensure of the pro-life nature. But I think Iowa would not be something that they would see a great ROI on just because of of the demographics of Iowa today. I think that's an angle that needs to be talked about more. Without that protection from Roe v. Wade coming over the top rope, on a business plan level, they're vulnerable in a lot of states in the union, whether they can, no matter how fast they can act on Roe v. Wade or not. Yeah. Um, the, another thing, because two more things I want to get your take on here in the final three minutes. Right now, shouldn't every pro-life uh, or Republican governor in the country, because uh, a lot of these states don't have legislative sessions again until January. Mm-hmm. In light of this, should they not be saying right now, hey, the minute this opinion comes out, if it does what we think it's going to do, I'm calling a special session. Shouldn't all the Republican governors and all the states that are up for grabs right now that we're talking about, shouldn't they be declaring that right now? Why well, they makes a lot of sense. So what you're talking about is bold and courageous leadership. And the thing it is, is that they're going to have, especially the, the states you're talking about, the pro-life governors, mm-hmm. those states are behind them. 
you know, call the special session and, and make sure that you enact it in, into law at that point if you can't. Every state's going to be nuanced. That's why the powers in the states. You got to understand your state and the nuances of your state. So, for example, in Iowa, we have this court case uh, up for grab. We go in, and that court case will probably be decided about the same time mm-hmm. as Dobbs, or right after Dobbs, or right before Dobbs. So we're going to know real quick. But Kim Rose is that kind of a governor who I believe would call that special session. Finally, let's look at this from an angle that you and I have done a lot of activism and a lot of shows together on, which is judicial issues. The way that Alito framed his argument, I found fascinating. He could have just made the, the, the majority here, maybe when we get the actual argument, that will be the argument they sure. make, which is just strictly that a fetus or a, an unborn child is protected under law as a person under the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendments to the U.S. Constitution. If I don't think they'll do that, though, because that would make it, that would federalize the issue again the other way, and I don't yeah. think they want to do that. Right. Like, I don't think they want to go from one extreme to the other quite yet. So Alito took a position of going after the canard of superstare decisis, which is anything any judge ever says or the Supreme Court ever <laughs> says can never be reconsidered or overturned, uh, no matter how depraved or what part of the bowel-seeping uh, recesses of, its mi- of their minds it comes from. His draft opinion blows that canard out of the water. They have to realize, if, if, that's, the, if that's the argument they take, then why aren't organizations all over the country then saying, and states all over the country saying, well, we're going to craft legislation that challenges Plyler versus Doe that says that illegal aliens get access to, to, to tax benefits. You know, like right now they've got stockpiles of baby formula for illegals at the border that they don't have for Americans. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about the Obergefell? Obergefell, amen. I mean, I, I mean, the list of things, most of what they've done on the other side of this country, they were not able to do legislatively. They did it through super judicial activism, active, or, or activism never, ever, you know, assailable starry decisis paganism Alito's opinion at least the draft of it blows that canard out of the water that sets up a I think that changes the battlefield on a lot of fronts far beyond abortion it does and that's a very good news item matter of fact it gives us a little bit of street cred because what we argued in 2010 Alito saying you guys were exactly right in 2010 and you're right today as when well when we threw the judges out of yeah. Iowa you mean and, and when we made the decision or when we you know basically campaigned on they don't have the right to do this mm-hmm. and that's what Alito's basically saying and so, matter of fact, Obergefell, the key figure in Obergefell, he came out and he said same-sex marriage is at risk of this opinion. So he got it right away. So we'd like to see that. But on the other side, Steve, you and I know, and I think these justices know too, life is not a state issue. No more so than slavery is a state issue. It's a right or wrong issue. And I, I look forward to the day that you don't get to have an abortion. Any of these babies get a chance to live Correct. out their life with their full intent. And the, the thing that also needs to be reported, Steve, there are ministries, there are pro-life organizations, there's women's organizations that are there for the woman's health. They're there to see the child through birth, but they're also to see the child there after birth, either through adoption or through resources for that child. Well said. Good stuff. All right. Good to see you, brother. God bless you, ma'am. Same to you. I got about 30 seconds here. Anybody got a quick take on the conversation Bob and I just had, the various angles of this, if it happens? Well, I I think what you closed with with Obergefell is crucial. That is going to take a level of statesmanship and courage. Hey, it waits to be seen if we've got it, but theoretically, it's all there. And But it, it goes to everything that they've tried to impose on us through the courts if that is how they determine this decision we'll come back ask me anything is next stay tuned
Back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd and Aaron McIntyre. And of course, there's all of you and you can find us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor and Gab. Just look for Steve Dace there. Follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter and Getter. You can also email the show, steve at stevedace.com, at Real Steve Dace on Truth Social. And then you can get clips of the show that are free and free of censorship when you head over to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show as well. That's D-E-A-C-E. This portion of the program brought to you by Outer. You know, we spend too much darn time indoors. Well, if you want that to change, check out our friends over at Outer. They make the world's most beautiful, comfortable, innovative, and high-quality outdoor furniture all from sustainable materials, and it's also the only outdoor furniture with a patented built-in cover to make protecting it effortless because that can be frustrating, right? Uh, from great chairs to fire pit tables, everything Outer makes has the look and feel of what you'd expect over to five-star resort for less than you'd pay at a big box store for something that won't last, which you may even have to put together, and trust me. If I'm living proof, you don't want to have to do that, all right? Uh, you can get more information uh, and, and check out uh, so much of their great stuff. How about triple memory foam cushions? Talk about taking a map. Wouldn't that be a nice outdoor map on one of those uh, one of those bad boys, right? Outer Furniture comes with the best in-class warranties, like 10 years for their chic aluminum line and a two-week trial with free returns. See the difference right now when you go to liveouter.com slash Steve. Liveouter, O-U-T-E-R, liveouter.com slash Steve. Plus, for a limited time, get $300 off and free shipping off your order and free shipping when you go to liveouter.com slash Steve. Liveouter.com slash Steve. Terms and conditions apply. Also want to thank all of you that listen via the podcast. And if you have yet to do that, please leave us a five-star review, hit subscribe or follow. And thank you to all of you that have done those things for us already. We appreciate each and every one. And that now brings us to our Monday Ask Me Anything this week. Our followers at Facebook take center stage, and by now you know the drill. Todd, he goes through the comments and selects the questions, which I have not seen ahead of time. And then, Aaron, you fire them off. So let's go. We will begin with Stephanie uh, Kasunik Melinda. How can we fix our farming and ranching across this country to produce more, to put the more importance on producing all across this country instead of housing developments and retail stores? How do we get more people in the U.S. to realize the importance of our food supply? Well, Stephanie, I bring you glad tidings of great joy. You would like to know what it would take to get more Americans to be concerned about our food supply chain? These are the days for you, my friend, because those days are now here. Uh, the, <laughs> we're going to get and already getting it starts with inflation and then it gets to bare shelves we are we are living through a time right now and it unfortunately seems as if it would get it's going to get worse because the people in charge will not do and are bound and determined to not do that which would make it better but we are living in times right now where Americans are going to get Unfortunately, a crash course in exactly what you are concerned about the hard way. As to the the other question you ask, the answer I think here is is a little more complicated. I mean, we, we do our best 
to try to get around some of the stuff we have. We promote products like Moink on the program and uh, other things of that nature. But the reality is so much of this is, is either government or corporate controlled or regulated. And a few years ago, uh, a, a buddy of mine who's probably listening to the show today, in fact, I'll give him a, head, a shout out, uh, a buddy of mine who is a very, very successful renewable fuels guy. One of the more successful ones out there. And a few years ago, I worked on a project with him uh, about actually getting rid of the renewable fuel standard, the RFS. And instead, hey, if we say the fuels that we can produce here in flyover country, if we say the fuels that we can produce here, if they really are better, cheaper, cleaner, like our own branding claims, why would we want to have the government put a limit on how much of it we can make? Because that's the cost. It's all, there's always a trade-off. All right. So the cost of that renewable fuel standard, the cost of that mandate is not the government giveth and the government taketh away. But unlike the God of the Bible, the government is a very, is more of an Allah type of an entity. Very capricious, difficult to please. You could follow all of its tenets to the best of your ability and still not be assured of salvation. The trade-off of that RFS or mandate, the trade-off of it is that in that government provides you that sustenance level of, of existence, but, but then it also caps what you can produce at the exact same time. That's the trade-off. Like most government programs, just enough to survive, not enough to truly thrive, because government programs aren't really about helping people or creating entrepreneurial opportunity. They're about power and control. That's what they're about. That's why about the only energy source that's even more subsidized uh, and regulated than renewable fuels is the oil. <laughs> All right? Same reason. All right? It's always funny to watch oil companies bitch and moan about the subsidies and mandates that renewable fuel companies get because they get them too. So, but there, but that's the cost. Notice, for example, we're not hearing oil companies running TV ads right now, demanding to drill more. Have you seen those ads from Exxon Mobil on TV? Not that I know. No, they haven't. They, Aaron, you were telling me, but you watched. You were watching some sports this weekend, mm -hmm. right? Did you, no. did you see a bunch of Exxon Mobil ads demanding no. drill, baby, drill? No. That's C. Once you become too big to fail, you become too kept now to be free at the exact same time. But here's the thing. Do you know, we had, the reason I was, I was asked to help him with this project and consult with him on this project is because the hardest sell that he had to make first was to his own industry. Because here's what happens. Government comes in, creates a market. The, the entities that are now able to profit off of this immediately, which are almost always the larger ones, and more and more, by the way, you're seeing fossil fuel companies are now buying up renewable fuel companies. Sometimes just to make it look like they're, hey, we're scoring woke points with quote unquote cleaner fuel. 
And so what happened was even within, so the renewable fuels industry was meant to be a democratized answer to what you're talking about from the food standpoint when it comes to energy. That's actually not what happened though, because it was a government created market. Instead, what happened, it just became another aristocracy. Not as big, not as large, not as prolific as the oil industry, but certainly very prolific on its own. If you got rid of, and so there's the the, the remaining local or, or, or family farms in this part of the country that maybe right now can't afford to devote their land or their time to renewable fuel when, when there's a market cap on how much they can make. If you remove that, and now it's whoever's got the best product wins. You put a true free market in. Well, it was actually the ethanol lobby that was against what we were trying to argue for. Because the ethanol lobby really just represented a handful of, of companies that had their own aristocracy and they didn't want to democratize that process because now they're going to have to compete with a lot more people than they have to compete with right now, which is basically just themselves. You see what I'm getting at here? Mm-hmm. It just goes on and on and on. Treason never prospers. What's the reason? Because whenever treason prospers, none will dare call it treason. The, the, I've said this for many years. The genius of the welfare state is we all are in on it now. All of us, to some degree, have some suckling spot on the government teat. There is no, there's, there is no incentive for almost any major function or faction or group or sect of Americans to absolutely pull the plug on that because it would hurt their gravy train to some extent at the exact same time. And so long before this friend of mine was going to go, he thought that there was, he thought, hey, with the Trump administration, this is a great time to go for a free market solution. But of course, we had to actually argue with the industry. We had to win an argument with the industry itself before we could even go to the Trump administration. Because if we went right to the Trump administration, the ethanol lobby would actually come to the Trump administration and say, we don't want that. And the Trump administration is going to come back to us and say, hey, you guys come back to us when you figure out when you guys have the when you when you guys have the ask you want, when you guys agree, come back to us. That's the same issue we have here across the board with this level of government incursion and encroachment. You guys have any thoughts that you want to add to that at all? Yeah, the the more you got into that, the broader you got. Um, I just love the answer more and more because like, this isn't just a food supply question folks it we i as long as i've lived here in iowa uh more, more than 20 years talk about the rural iowa dying people leaving to go to the suburbs and build those retail and apartments and and, and things like that and there's been a great deal of lamentation about this but what there hasn't been is an alternative worldview why you have the problem with people disrespecting where the food supply comes from shouldn't really be a surprise when you don't provide a clear alternative and you end up looking as much like a victim as all the victimologists in the suburbs. If you have a different vision for living and say, you know, the teachers that are coming to teach your children um, if they start doing that pronoun thing, we have sheriffs here who aren't going to wait for anybody else to do anything. They're going to march in that school. They're going to arrest that teacher, and they're going to an example of what they believe in. This is a holistic thing. Respecting the, 
God's go read Genesis and how God created and what he said was good. Whether it's the food supply, whether it's what you're teaching your kids in school, whether you know what a bathroom and a gender is, all of that stuff. We need to create a different vision for rural America, which is the breadbasket and where this food comes from. And a lot of this will fix itself because we will know what a football is. That's the issue. All right. Very well said. That is well said. Thank you. Eric R. Carlston says, did you hear about President Biden's amendments to the international health regulations to be voted on at the 75th World Health Assembly at the United Nations in Geneva, Switzerland, May 22nd through the 28th, that will hand over national sovereignty and authority to the World Health Organization? I have, and a bunch of you have emailed and asked me about this, and here's why I've not covered it. We already don't have any national sovereignty. So there's that. Yep. Next, Todd Wolf. That's like saying, hey, I mean, did, 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 you, did you hear about the additional, um, uh, you know, uh, eight ball that, uh, uh, you know, or uh, crack cocaine or naked Instagram photo that Britney Spears took. Yeah, well, yeah, this one's even more naked. Well, okay. As opposed to the other ones that just had pasties on our nips. I mean, yeah, I, you guys, I've gotten a million emails about this, it, but we already don't have any national sovereignty. So, I mean, uh, your southern borders controlled by drug cartels. Todd Wolf says, how is it likely that uh, Biden will pack or how likely is it, I should say, that the Biden administration will pack the court? And if he does, uh, what should be the response of the next Republican administration? Uh, Very unlikely because it would help our argument. We should actually root for this, want it to occur. Anything and everything that absolutely demystifies the unelected judges of the U.S. Supreme Court as beyond reproach, unassailable, infallible, and super jurists, and a never-ending perpetual constitutional convention from whom which we could never possibly disagree, any action whatsoever, like on a smaller scale, this leak last week, on a larger scale, Todd, what you are suggesting, anything and everything along those lines that is nonviolent, I support, regardless of who does it. Because those things would actually help us in the long run to reclaim our power, which is why they won't do it. There's a reason why they had a vote last week on quote unquote, kind of thing, and they didn't have a vote on stacking the court. Okay, because they don't they don't want to do either one. The point of the Roe vote was to not codify Roe. It was to get a bunch of it was to get every Republican voting against abortion in the hopes that maybe they can get their Karen white woke women base to Karen even harder. They knew it wasn't going to pass. That was the point. If they had the votes for it, they would not have done it. All right. They were not going to. That's why they did it. It's because they knew they did not have the votes. All right. Similarly, that's also why they did that instead of the, the court packing. Okay, so we should hope they do things like this. We 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 have we have we we benefit when things just like we're benefiting right now when things are more clear, more out in the open, more obvious. I mean, Joe Biden said in the final debate of 2020, I think it was the last question he answered in any of the debates, and the moderator was so stunned she went back and said, "Did you really say what I thought you just said?" He openly said he was going to end the oil industry. Just openly said it. Openly said it. And they've just pursued, they've pursued policies to that end. We, we, and, and now a lot of Americans 
like, oh, this isn't about climate change or anything of that nature. Because where's, where's, <laughs> where's all the lithium and all of the products come from for the, for the electric cars? Trees? They, 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 are there lithium Unicor- trees? Unicorn farts. There's That's not unicorn farts yeah. or lithium trees. Yes. Uh, we plant enough lithium trees and then they bloom in the spring. That's why it's cheaper to buy a Tesla in the spring because the lithium trees are in bloom. Um, no, of course not. This, was, this isn't about the environment. You're laughing. All right. Because it's about power and control. That's what it's about. So we actually want them to be more clench fisted, more ham fisted, more direct about that. We benefit from that on absolutely every level. Get down on your knees is what I'm trying to say, Todd, right now, right now. Do it right now as I'm talking. Get down on your knees right now. Pray and ask God in the name of Benny Hinn's name and claim it right now that the, the Democrats would not just say it, but do it, pack the court and would and would actually go and do it promptly. That would be one of the best things that could ever happen to people like us. Which is why it won't happen. Next up, Kevin Price. Not a question, but a suggestion. You really need to write an autobiography. Your story from your birth through all of your life. I am amazed how well read and the breadth of your knowledge through sports, politics, and theology is pretty impressive. Well, Kevin, that is very kind. Thank you very much. Um, The latter part of your answer just goes to show how much free time I really have, as my wife has been fond of saying for many years, if she did not have my children, she'd swear I'm still a virgin. Um, As to the first part, I don't know, man. I kind of think an autobiography for a somewhat successful 48-year-old talk show host. I'm not saying it's Barack Obama doing two memoirs before you're 40. Okay, I'm not saying it's that level of come on, man. But at the very least, it's on the periphery of a dude code violation, even though I greatly appreciate the sentiment. um, How about we get to the maybe closer to the end and we see where this thing goes and I get closer to the end of my race and make sure I don't fall and fail at it first. And then maybe we have that conversation somewhere later on down the line. But, you know. What are we? I don't know what we are. 54th, 43rd, 63rd rated podcast in the country or something like that. I haven't checked for a while. Okay. We're, I, I just think that that guy's not worthy of an autobiography, maybe. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> All right. Uh, but it, I do agree. I don't want to, I mean, the testimony of what God's done in my life and the call he's put on my life and the things that had to happen for me to even get where I'm at, that only he is responsible for absolutely deserves um, to be aired so that God gets the glory for it, which is why I share those things as often as I can. And I try to share them in a way where God is glorified and, um, you know, not the kid that was, you know, uh, playing MLB The Show after I got done watching Dinesh D'Souza show me the end of elections in America last night. Yeah. I already have a title for it when it's written. Do tell. Vinegar's Great? No, it's your book. Oh, it's my book. Okay. You got to tell us, Todd. It would be called Dude Code. I like that. What I learned and how I learned it. And it should be very targeted. This is the way it could be done. What I learned and how I learned it. I love the subtitle, I think, even more. Well, this is because you do this all the time. Well, why don't I care what people think? Well, this is how I was raised. I couldn't afford to care about it. But this is how I spun it to my advantage. And this is how I found a victory. You've done this your whole... That's a great idea, man. Well, yeah, it is. That's a great idea. This is why you don't have to wait. And this is... 
to me, this is like a problem you had with the Mark Wahlberg movie. But since we've talked about that, I actually... Father Stu? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I love the movie. I just was worried it was going to limit its audience with the way that it presented its subject matter sometimes. I read a review sometime. about it, and he was um, his reason for why he did it is exactly why I thought. He said, I'm... A lot of people had that problem. I, I had a mission, and I was talking to a certain kind of soul, and I knew who they were. I grew up rough. You know, I, I, yeah. I have a way of ministering to other people. I do that with my burger restaurant. You know, there's this one needed, they needed to hear that what I had to say, and they needed to know I wasn't some, you know, fluffer who went to Hollywood and forgot the real lessons. Yeah. You could write the same kind of book, and it wouldn't yeah. have the F-bombs, but yeah. it would be just as authentic. Yeah. I just think I probably need to probably accomplish a little more before we have that conversation. I This did, one of the other things that I heard a lot over the weekend in North Carolina is how many people had no idea we existed and had never heard of us um, until after Rush passed away. And, you know, we are on, we're doing this live for Blaze TV. A lot of you are doing this, you know, watching on a podcast or on a social media thing later on or listening on a podcast and watching on a social media app later on. But we're live when Rush used to be on which was noon to three Eastern. We're noon to two Eastern, right? And I heard from so many people that had no idea we existed until after Rush passed away and they were looking for something that would fill that void. And I mean, I didn't even know what to say to that. You know, I mean, um, as I got older in this business, I had my differences at times with Rush, like during, during the 2016 primary, for example, similar to how as my kids get older now, they have their own, they, they come from a different generation, their own way of doing things. And even if it's from a similar belief system, we clash sometimes on what, whether to follow the old ways of conveying and doing those things. You know what I'm saying? But there is no question that none of us are here without him. There is no question that for, I mean, Aaron's a rush baby, Todd, you and I, I mean, we politically came of age with him almost as a mosaic level of yeah. figure, both of us. My wife, the first book she went out to buy after we she after we met and she wanted to get to know me better was The Way Things Ought to Be. Um, you know, I'm I'm friends with his brother David now to this day. He wrote the foreword for Rules for Patriots for me. And I don't even I can't even compute that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I can't even compute that people would even contemplate that we could be there that we could replace that void because for all three of us to some degree, like all of you, he also filled that void for us at the exact same time. Right. So hearing this stuff is just, like I said, last hour, it's just, it's, it's, it doesn't, it really doesn't fire my ego up at all. It does the opposite. It's very humbling. Um, and it makes me very aware of, uh, more aware of truly what's at stake with what we do. Amen. Well said again. Uh, next, we have Gary Falenz. You once said any guy who wants to marry your daughter must be a guy who has taken a punch in the mouth. So now that you met your daughter's fiance for dinner, were you able to assess that he was one of those guys? <laughs> That's a great question. And I am going to say affirmatively yes on one. And I need to, I, I still need to get to know him better on another, but I am hopeful. And that's how I will answer. And um, 
I am fine being extraordinarily transparent, provided it doesn't break confidences with third parties. And this quite answering this question as directly as you would like me to does that. So I'll stop my answer there. Is that fair? Yep. Okay. Yeah. I but I from what I've seen so far, I like him quite a bit. He's and he's also a veteran, by the way. So boot camp, I think, would qualify as a, as a I, yes. As a he's, he's what branch was he? He has uh, army. Yeah, and he was in the Middle East, so he has definitely taken a punch. That part is true. Yeah. Yes. Uh, ben Swartz says, "When the rapture happens, will it even be a news story?" <laughs> this is so great. I love the pause. You just Lindsey Grant me. Yeah. Just gave me my own my own William Shatner pause there. I like that. So when the rapture happens, will it even be a news story that a few people went missing? So I got an email the other day and I, I was going to read it on Friday's Feedback Friday and I didn't have the time. And it was a veteran and uh, who wanted me wanted to know my take on the Left Behind books. And I first read the I read the first one at the prompting of my mother-in-law before I was converted because she actually thought that the way that a the rapture level event is covered in the very first Left Behind book specifically as it pertains to how the media and the and the governments of the world try to immediately memory hole it and bury it and move on as fast as they possibly can given my extensive political background she thought that would resonate with me and then and would help me to see the rest of what the with the with the book is trying to convey the deeper spiritual themes would would help me to see that these things are more plausible in a real world setting right and and she was right. It worked. It, it did do that. And it's one of the reasons why I read through all the way to the end of the of the series um, and was still finishing the series is that now I am converted and I'm I'm doing my own having researching my own eschatology views and having some questions about the views that are in the books. But I still found it to be a captivating narrative all the way through to the very end. And. If there is a literal rapture. And it occurs as it's depicted within premillennial dispensational eschatology. They're going, they're, 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 they're going to want to move on faster than you can say, Waukesha. Absolutely. Especially if your man of lawlessness emerges almost immediately in the aftermath to provide that beacon of hope. Okay. When I said last week that Klaus Schwab, if if there will be a literal antichrist, it won't be him. That's too obvious. It won't be him. It'll be somebody else. Let me tell you who I think the somebody else would look like. And I'm not saying it's that person, but I just feel a um, a responsibility to give you a real world example. It is far more likely that an Elon Musk <laughs> level of figure yep. that you would turn to to save you from the Klaus Schwab crowd, yep. who's likable, engaging, inspiring. It's far more likely it's a it's an archetype of that kind of figure than it's than it's the 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 guy who literally speaks like he was cast uh, in every Indiana Jones movie as. Nazi general. Okay. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's not going to be, the, the devil's not going with Klaus Schwab. Okay. He's not, he's not, he's not going with the guy that was investing, the guy that, that looks and sounds like the dude that was trying to shut down Oscar Schindler's operation. 
That's too obvious. It'll it'll be the one or the person that you turn to because it looks like they will be the one that will save you from that. That and 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 will kind of come out of nowhere. It'll be something like that that'll capture your imagination and everything right away. Right? And and that's nothing against Elon Musk on a personal level. I don't really know much about him. Dude, when okay. you when you first started going down that road, the first name that popped into my head was was Elon. I don't Musk. believe Elon Musk is the is the antichrist, guys. Okay? That's not what I'm saying. And in fact, the the way that he's engaged a lot of people on the right substantively and on their beliefs in the last few weeks, I'm fairly confident that he's not the antichrist, okay? Uh, I think he's probably just a really rich guy that's probably a truth seeker and is genuinely interested. The Antichrist won't be genuinely interested. Okay? Does that make sense? But the persona will be much more Elon Muskian than Klaus Schwab, I believe. I just think, don't think you're noticing, though, how truly snotty this question was. At the end, he's basically saying that the narrow gate is so narrow. Yeah. That- I know. I picked up on that, too, but I'm in a good mood. <laughs> so... Uh, I, I didn't want to consider that so few people would be raptured that we would not be yeah. missed. I, I thought that's what he was actually getting at, but I, I'm in a good mood right now, so yeah. I didn't want to go there. We'll come back with more of your questions here in a moment. Absolutely took the stash of built bars some of my leftover from the fall pumpkin uh puffs the marshmallow brand they have that is outstanding the 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 paranormal pumpkin they produced last year that one of my buddies um uh, got hooked on them through the paranormal pumpkin he finally bought a box that there's no way they're that good bought a box of them last october he's been addicted ever since i bought several boxes when uh, the fall line was discontinued for christmas stuff and have been saving them and i took that box with me to north carolina in order to uh, make sure i had my protein fix because they're just that good it's absolutely the greatest protein bar of all time and i cannot come up with something that i think would even be in second place because it checks every box absolutely delicious but has the texture you're looking for too. So it tastes and then feels like a candy bar. Great flavors. It's chocolate because you guys know I'll eat just about anything. It's got chocolate in it or on it. Okay. Uh, So all flavors covered in real chocolate and it's got the nutritional value you're looking for. All right, up to 17, 18 grams of protein in every bar, fewer than 140 calories in almost every bar. Even their more decadent flavors are only like 160, 170 calories a bar. Absolutely fantastic, not loaded with carbs, not loaded with sugar. It's what you're looking for right now, and you can get a discount if you give it a shot or you go back again for second, thirds, fourths, tenths, whatever you're looking for. Use the promo code DACE to get 10% off unless it's a, you can't use the promo code if it's an existing sale, then the sale would take precedence. I should mention that, okay? So if unless it's an existing sale, go with the sale. Otherwise, use the promo code and get 10% off DACE. D-E-A-C-E, when you go to built.com, B-U-I-L-T, built.com, promo code DACE for the greatest protein bar of all time, Built Bar. Let's resume our Facebook Ask Me Anything. Aaron? All right. The definition of anything. Joseph Drake 
has a question. Did any Nephilim or Nephilim offspring survive the flood? We are told everything not on the ark died, but giants in the land of Canaan and Goliath and his brothers suggest that there's a a remnant that survived. If Noah was pure blood, was his wife a mixed breed? I don't know the answer to this question, actually. Uh, I've wondered it myself. Uh, In fact, our small group is actually doing a verse-by-verse study of Genesis and we just started it a few weeks ago, and we just came uh, to Noah's flood. Uh, and so this is a topic of conversation that I'm sure we may have as soon as Wednesday when our group meets. I don't know the answer to the question. I am curious. Uh, were they were they speaking metaphorically, archetype, ar- archetypal? Hey, this reminds us of the legends of the of the Nephilim. Um, uh, because I have a I've got a similar question myself. It, doesn't necessarily change at all what whether or not Jesus Christ walked out of a tomb once dead and now alive. But yeah, as someone that wants to uh, know more and is fascinated by the intricacies of the faith that uh, that drives me, I'm curious about this question as well, and I don't know the answer. Have either of you ever heard, and I think a long time ago I may have mentioned this, but ever heard that this is a Neanderthal homo sapien thing? No. I read that once. A suggestion. It didn't go in deep. I think, that, that, I think I've heard that from you. Uh, okay. From yeah. Todd, you've heard that before? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've not heard that theory before. No. Okay. I'm sure I, you know, get emails about what I just said. So, so another, so you're, so are you saying then that this is a different species and actually would have been preserved on the ark is what you're trying to say? Uh, because, because it, because it was all the homo sapiens that were wiped out. Is that what you're saying? Well, I don't know what I'm saying, but that, okay. that, 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 this, this language is biblical language for but the nephilim refers directly to the children that were conceived when demons came to the earth Mm -hmm. with the early Mm -hmm. humans and recognized uh that a we can't conceive children unlike uh what amongst ourselves unlike unlike what god permitted the humans to do Mm -hmm. so we'll just use them to do it Mm -hmm. right okay Next up, we'll go to James Kutch. How would you rank these 80s female singers? Joan Jett, Ann Wilson, Pat Benatar, Bonnie Raitt, and Boy George. (laughs) Fantastic. I love the way that that was framed, like Boy George belongs. I hated Culture Club, by the way. I I mean, I hated it. I didn't like the music, anything about it. And it wasn't even the androgyny or the proto-tranny cross-dressing stuff, because I loved that uh, Spin Me Right Round song from around that era, too, that had Ugh, the dude from Wanted Dead or Alive that, that did that as well. Dreadful. I know. It's, it's, that's some great dreadful. 80s direct. But like when even I, I would be a little kid in the back seat, man, um, and my parents would be listening to the Top 40 station, and Do You Want to Hurt Me would come on, and even 9, 10-year-old little Stevie would be in the back seat like, yes, very badly. I mean, I hated Culture Club with a passion. Uh, and still do. As for the rest of your female 80s singers... I think there's number one... That are actually females. Number okay. one is easy and undeniable, and that doesn't that's not a slight against anybody else. My, and my guess is you're going to say Pat Benatar is easy and undeniable. No. Okay. Because I actually would have gone Ann Wilson, yes. number one of heart. It, I, it, it's just... It's a, it's a little tricky, though, because about half of their best... Um, song library is actually from the 70s. Barracuda, Crazy on You, um, you know, a lot of that is from the 70s. So if we just looked at the totality of the song library in the 80s, yes. I would put Pat Benatar number one. Yeah. I, okay. But if we looked at totality of careers, I'd have Ann Wilson of Heart yes. number one. By the way, f- trivia question, her sister, 
Do you know Nancy, who's the other yeah. member of the duo, who was the guitar player? Do you know who she's been married to all these years? I don't know that I know. The filmmaker, Cameron Crowe. Really? Yeah, like Show Me the Money. Oh, yeah, yeah. Almost of famous. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's his, that they've been married all these years. And I only know that because, you know, I hate celebrity news. Um, I only know that because it came out when uh, those two movies were like big number one hit movies in back to back years. And I remembered it. But uh, uh, if it's just the 80s, I would say Pat Benatar one and Wilson two. And then I kind of don't care. Is Joan, is Joan Jett even a good singer? Like, I, I love rock and roll. It was a, it's a was classic. It was a classic song just, from that but, decade. I yeah. don't think of her as a singer. She just went out there and did a good old fashioned rock and roll Agree. song. I mean, um, and Bonnie I, Ray, it is Stevie Nicks, similar to Ann Wilson, were a lot of about half of the major song library that she was a part of with Fleetwood Mac was in the 70s. But then she was a very successful yeah, yeah. Uh, solo artist in the 80s. In fact, she was more successful in the 80s than Bonnie Raitt was, for example. So, I mean, I put Stevie Nicks probably in there somewhere as well. Moving on, uh, Matthew Skaggs uh, asks, in recent history, guns and life were the two litmus tests to filter out the Republicrats within the conservative movement. How do we make sure that COVID fascism, this is a great question, it's a great joins question. those tests and or supplants them as the most important deciding factor on who we should support in the future? So, Matthew, you know your stuff, brother. Okay, this is one of the most politically insightful questions we've ever gotten since we started doing these AMAs. And let me uh, let me explain why. One of the people, one of the groups of people that helped train me in political activism was uh, National Right to Work, otherwise known as the Ron Paul political operation. And the reason why is because shortly after I took over on WHO, so WHO you know brought in this former sports guy. Uh, figured, hey, WHO has a history of former sports guys crossing over into politics. You know, the first sports director, Ronald Reagan. So let's see if we can, uh, do, you know, on a smaller scale, duplicate that again. So they moved me from sports to news talk. And when I started there, uh, it would have been 16 years ago. So I would have been just 32 years old. And now suddenly I'm the guy on After Rush locally. And every back then Clear Channel station had a local guy on After Rush to basically do the local version of what Rush did. And that was me. Okay. Uh, but, and at the time I took over, we were on the brink. 2006 was obviously a terrible election cycle for the right. We were on the brink in Iowa of seeing total democratic control of the state for the first time since prior to reconstruction. It had not happened since then. And, uh, and that would put our state's right to work law at risk. And so national right to work brought its virtually its entire operation because Iowa also is very prevalent nationally. If Iowa's national right to work law falls, well, that impacts the national debate because what are we going to have in 2008? Caucus. A caucus. And it's going to be open on both the left and the right. And it would embolden the Democrats nationally in, in that conversation if they were able to flip Iowa as, as, and its right to work law. How would that change the whole debate about why can't we do Democrats do this in every state? Right. And so right to work brought almost its entire I think everybody other than the CEO, Mark Mix, basically moved to Iowa. In, in the next two legislative sessions. And I learned a lot from getting to know those people. I mean, they were guests in my home. They'd be at my monthly poker game. I mean, I, I, a, not all, but a, a, a good significant portion of the machinery that is, and, and tactic, uh, tactical deployment that we discuss in my 2013 or 2014 book, Rules for Patriots, absolutely came out of what I learned from right to work and then how I just kind of expanded into there and, and, some, and brought in some other themes. And here's what I learned from right to work. 
that whenever they go into a state to organize it, or the Ron, the Ron Paul political operation, whenever they go into a state to organize it, they do not poll on libertarian issues. Who's, got, who's the best on libertarian issues? And they do not poll on um, right to work. They poll on life and guns everywhere they go. Because whoever's the best on life and whoever's the best on guns will then turn out their their all their data has always shown if you're good on th- those are the litmus test with issues if you're good on self-defense and defense of life then chances are you're going to embrace virtually any uh liberty-based issue from there and so that's what they pulled and so I, I, my guess is matthew you're referencing that well if 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 Roe v. Wade goes off, it comes off the table. The life issue won't come off the table. It's just the political paradigm of it will change. But you're right, though. We live in an era now where, and and when if Roe v. Wade goes away, there will be like almost no openly pro-choice Republicans anymore. There's not many left now. But that wasn't the case even ten, five, ten years ago. That wasn't the case. It 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 will be like inconceivable to ask a Republican their position on life if Roe goes away. It will just completely change the calculus politically. Just like right now, no Republican openly says, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm for red flag laws. Well, unless they're named Mehmet Oz and running for Senate in Pennsylvania. But no one who's an actual Republican says that stuff anymore, right? If Roe goes away, that'll be true. There will be no more talk about, hey, this is a pro-choice Republican in the primary, but he can win. That won't happen anymore. So then what will we put in there instead? I think you've already answered your own question. And that is that we have to put the, the 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 new national pro-life frontier because in at least 13 states they're going to have trigger laws so there won't be a pro-life battle there in at least eight states it'll be in virtually impossible barring divine intervention to win the pro-life battle there right mm-hmm. so what should be so a lot of the country what has been the og culture war issue our entire lives won't be prevalent for almost half the country almost right away so then what should take its place? The new Uber-mensch, uh, Wunderkind standard for pro-life now needs to be COVID stand stuff. You're right. And we're going to have to be the ones that implement that. And how do we do that? Same way we did it before. Putting, enshrining those things into platforms, number one. But number two, we start cornering our candidates. And now we have things they didn't have in the 70s and 80s. Everyone's got... A recording device on them at all times. Hey, Senator so-and-so, Congressman so-and-so, what are your views on forcibly jabbing? My brother's in the military, doesn't want to get this jab. What's your view of forcibly jabbing? You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Bam. And you upload that puppy to, well, you, they'll take it off YouTube. So Rumble or someplace else, Truth Social, what have you. You send that link to people like me and 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 people that do shows like this on platforms like this and all over the country. And we blow that stuff up for you. And that's how we create the very mechanism that you're talking about, but we have to resolve to create it from the ground up. All right. Uh, moving on again, Kent Kastendick. I taught at an Iowa high school for 28 years before switching to a Christian school. My former high school is actively advertising. It's, Gender and Sexuality Alliance Club in order to combat rampant homophobia and transphobia, which is a complete exaggeration. 
With news of the current issue in the Fairfax, Virginia schools where a student may be suspended for misuse of pronouns. Have you seen that story? Yes. How likely is it that school districts in red states like Iowa will adopt similar policies? It, it, it's likely if we're likely to make them. I, I, I hate to have that answer to virtually all these questions, but we have to get out of this idea that, especially because a lot of us on the right are parents, we should know better that the kids just don't often do the right thing on autopilot. That's why they need parents, right? That's why we check in, okay? That's why I'm asking no every day. Did you get your homework done? I don't presume he'll just do it if I don't, okay? And that's how this works. We're the patriarch here. They're the child. We're the employer. They're the employee. Over the course of time... I rarely check in with you about, hey, how you doing booking the show? I don't, in fact, I I don't even ask that anymore. I just ask, who do you have coming on, right? Yeah. Uh, The first month or six months you worked here, did I do that? A little bit, yeah. I checked in. Yeah. You were doing, I wasn't sure if you knew what you were doing or how to do it. Maybe you might need help because this is my Rolodex and maybe you need my help contacting people. They might not know what the hell a Todd Erzin is. You know, see what I'm saying? But as time went on, okay. Then I I fully just delegate this to you unless there's something specifically I want right. on and that I requested of you, right? Okay. Your politicians haven't earned that deference. So we're going to have to force them to do these kinds of things and not just assume that they will. And that's kind of the answer. That's why last year our theme was the answer is us. And the answer is you as well if you've got a puppy. Because chances are if you're feeding it, and I hope you are, uh, the food you're giving that dog has been stripped of its vitamins, minerals, and n- nutrients ever, ever right before it ever left the factory. For the same reason they do it to the people food as well. They want that stuff to last for mass consumption and wide distribution. So they take all the good stuff out so that that helps it to, quote unquote, stay fresh. That's why we take so many supplements these days, and that's why there is one for your puppy. It's called Rough Greens. It's the supplement powder you mix into your pet's food. You stir it together with that one little act. You've put that good stuff back in the diet. And if you want to try it right now, that first 14-day Jumpstart bag, try it on us for free. You pay for the shipping, but the bag is on us to see if you don't see a difference in your pet in two weeks or less. Go to roughgreens.com. R-U-F-F is how they spell it over there. For roughgreens.com, or you can call them at 833-ROUGH-DOG. That's 833-ROUGH-DOG. Those are good questions. Yeah, I agree. Those were good. One more quick one. All right. If you think we can fit it in, go ahead. Nestor Rivera asks, does a no-hitter count if it's multiple pitchers instead of one pitcher? Sure, it counts. For a franchise, I think it should count. Yeah. Uh, It does, but I don't think it should. You don't think it should? No. I I mean, I'm I'm always open to stricter standards, (laughs) but I I think no-hitting a team is hard in any circumstance, so I'm fine with acknowledging it. It's a lot easier when you throw five guys out there. You think so? I almost think that it creates more. You could argue it creates more variance. You know what I'm saying? The, the way bullpens are set up these days, I don't know. Okay, all right. I, I'll just defer on making everything harder to Todd. Okay. Well, uh, come back tomorrow noon to two Eastern after Glenn Beck. Glenn Beck. Until then, John three seventeen. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.